0: I'm U.S. Senator Debbie
6: Stabenow, and I'm listening to The Tom Sumner Show.
2: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and what a show we have in store today. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, I'm going to talk with uh, filmmaker Arthur Kanegas, who uh, has produced a documentary film, I believe, is uh, currently playing on uh, various public television outlets called The World Is My Country. And it's based on the life of a a Broadway song and dance man who ended up being a uh, bomber pilot in World War II and then started a movement post-war to create world citizenship, declaring himself the first world citizen. Uh, His name is Gary Davis. It's a fascinating story that you're going to want to uh, tune in for in the second hour of our three-hour tour. Um, This is going to be fun for me because I'm a fan of the TV show, but uh, I'm going to talk with uh, forensic anthropologist and author Kathy Reichs, whose life and career was the inspiration for the long-running Fox television hit show, Bones, and she's just come out with the 20th novel in the best-selling Temperance Brennan series, and we're going to talk with uh, Kathy coming up in just a little bit. But up first, we're going to talk about uh, a biography. Lots of people have written biographies, but this particular biography has uh, an interesting perspective because it's about a coach and the author um actually uh, had the, the, uh, the subject of this uh, biography as a coach at his hometown college in uh, Colorado. The book is called Chasing Excellence, the Remarkable Life and Inspiring Vigilosophy of Coach Joe I. Vigil. And it's written by uh, Pat Mulgaris who joins me by phone. Hi Pat, welcome to the show. Hey Tom, thank you, and what an what an honor! I'm with the you know the the bone
5: code and the world of my country. What an intriguing program! <laughs> I, I'm just really honored to be part of those with those two.
2: Uh, it's it's going to be fun, and you know, some days because I get to talk to people like you, and and coming up, Kathy Reichs, and, and later Arthur Caneagus, the time just flies by. Um, and and so before before it does that to us, I just wanted to point out that you were you were born a few blocks from from where Joe Vigil was born and grew up in uh, where Alamosa, Colorado. Yeah. Alamosa, Colorado. It's a small town, about ten thousand
5: people, located about seventy four hundred feet elevation. It's in an area called the San Luis Valley. It's. South Central Colorado. It's about twenty-eight, thirty miles from the New Mexico border, right down, split in the middle of the of the state of Colorado.
2: I think I've actually and, driven through there.
5: Yeah, a lot of, lot of people have. You know, it's. I think it's the only spot in the continental U.S. where three uh, U.S. highways intersect, and so it's a common, uh, you know common route that people travel uh the great sand dunes national monument is in that area that's a popular area and uh there's a, a an attraction a a, a a narrow gauge railway called the cumbris toltec railroad that runs through that part of the country as well so it's it's a popular tourist area particularly in the summer months
2: now joe vigil was um or or as people called him coach um, coached runners. Yeah, yeah. And and you were a runner, coached by Joe, at Adams State College. This, At first glance, Pat, this all sounds real ho- hometown. You yeah. know, you grew up in that town. Yeah. You went to the local college. Now you've written a, a, a biography about the local coach who coached you, and it sounds real small time, but a lot of people don't realize that uh, uh, Coach Joe I. Vigil won 19 national championships, coached 425 All-Americans, 22 Olympians, and an army of (laughs) what became known as Vigilantes.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know it's, it's it is it is funny, and 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 that is exactly the point. You know, a lot of athletes grow up and they are you know go to college and they just love their college coaches or whatever, and think that everybody should should love them the way that they do. And certainly, I feel that way on a personal level. But the story is well beyond that. And aside from the you know enormous uh, coaching success that he's had. Coach Hill has, uh, touched people in a lot of other areas, uh, give you one example. He recently spoke to, you know, the judges and, uh, um, in the, I, I think it was the ninth district, uh, circuit district and, uh, you know, has such an in- inspiring and motivating message for even those judges. And, and that was in Santa Fe, New Mexico recently, so much so that, uh, Sonia Sotomayor, uh, approached him afterwards and asked to, you know, tell some of his stories when she speaks publicly. And it's been an amazing life. You know, this young boy was born just one month after the Great Depression in 1929. And he was born in a in a little community of maybe a few hundred people that would have been, uh, you know, economically deficient, if you will, even in good economic times. And he, he becomes, his story really becomes kind of one of the American hero of a poor boy who everybody rooted for, rooted for, and hoped he would, you know, make something of his life. And it turned out that he really did. He became one of the greatest uh, distance running coaches in the history of the world, you know, impacting people not just in the United States, but in, you know, again, across the globe. One thing that's very interesting about Coach Hill is that even though he's a uh very famous United States coach. He's actually a member of the halls of fame in seven different countries.
2: Oh, really? And yeah, and you pronounced yeah. his name the Hill.
5: Yes, and that's the Spanish version, and it is probably the most common version. It's the it's the way that uh, even Anglos would pronounce it as the Hill, and so a lot of the uh, the terms are instead of vigilantes, which is uh, you know we we all know that term, but. His army of followers are Vihilantes. so the G uh-huh. sounds more like an H. Yeah, the G sounds more it, like and, an H.
2: And then it would be V philosophy is uh,
5: the teachings of Coach Vihil,
2: yes. Um, fascinating, and, and, and forgive me for my mispronunciation. Oh, that's quite all right. Um, I, I would imagine that that probably comes up a little bit. It it really
5: does. It do, it does, and and uh, because it, it doesn't it, occur to
2: you at first glance that it's Hispanic. Yeah.
5: Yep. He certainly, you know, it's uh, the area that he grew up in is about sixty percent Hispanic, in fact, and uh, it's a very common name in that area. In fact, some of his. Uh, Athletes that he's coached over the years had the same last name, but yet weren't related to him, at least not directly. Now, so, you, very,
2: yeah. you referred to the neighborhood you grew up in, which was also the neighborhood that, uh, that Coach grew up in, as being south of the tracks. Is that significant?
5: It is. In El Mosa, being south of the tracks really represents... Uh, a little more, uh, and economically challenged, uh, perhaps a little bit of bias that was to stop the checks. Uh, it's probably not, you know, the danger level or violence level, or perhaps
2: larger cities. You're breaking so, up was, a little bit. Oh,
5: okay. Certainly not the, uh, you know,
2: you know, the challenges
5: that were held in, or, or maybe evident in certain areas of other cities. But Elamosa, you know, there was certainly a, a challenging environment, more challenging environment growing up south of the tracks. It was perhaps uh, more opportunities on the other side of town. And so for a kid to grow up south of the tracks, you really had to uh, maybe fight a little bit harder. Now, some people would say, "Well, you know that was a that was a negative, maybe growing up, but I think in some respects, for Coach v Hill, it was a positive you know it made him tougher, it made him fight a little bit harder, and perhaps you know maybe that 's one of the elements that contributed to his
2: wild success as he became you know a coach later in his life and Again, I said that you know that this at first glance is is very much a small town story because um and and you write this book with a special perspective because you grew up in Coach's neighborhood, you went to the college where he coached, you even became the public information officer at that college. Yeah. Yeah. Why I, I, why why did you why did you stay there and not say go to college in Kansas or Nebraska?
7: Yeah.
5: Yeah. Well, you know, I think the big reason is, that if you were, you know, interested in distance running and you wanted to be coached by the best, that was the, that was the place to be. Coach Vihel could have chased money anywhere in the country. In fact, he was even offered a an international assignment in the country of Colombia at one time. But what's interesting is that he really had this amazing loyalty to his hometown. I think that his hometown embraced him as he was growing up there. And he never forgot that. You know, he became the guy that wanted to see great things happen where great things weren't supposed to happen. And so he stayed at Adam State all that time. And I think that that was probably the lure for me as well. I mean, right here, you know, my childhood home was where some pretty great and remarkable things were happening. Adam State College, uh, you know, through the 1980s basically about an 11-year stretch, won 10 national championships in about an 11-year stretch. Well, I was uh, just growing up a high school runner and, and, and was part of college success for about four years. And so it, there was a lot of appeal to being at that small college and being part of a, something that was challenging the big, the big heavyweights in the sport at that time. You know, the Arkansas, the Iowa State's, the Michigan's, uh, all of these schools, the Wisconsin's, all of these schools that were really successful on the NCAA Division I level, and yet a small NAIA school was able to, you know, toe the line with those schools and really give them, you know, all they could handle.
2: Did that have an influence on uh, young potential athletes in, in uh Alamosa did did a lot of kids aspire to be runners because of the success that Joe V Hill was having? I think it increased I mean you the, said you were a runner in high school. Would you yeah. have been a runner yeah. if there hadn't been a Joe V Hill at Adams State?
5: I I would like to say that I would say yes to that question.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
5: certainly that L had its own Run a success as well, and I think in track and field there was a lot of talent in in such a small area for track and field.
2: Pat, I'm going to Open have to put a, Pat, I'm going to have to put a comma there. I have to take a short break. Can you stick around for a few minutes and we'll talk some more? Absolutely. All right, my guest is uh, Pat Melgaris, and uh, he is the author of a new book called "Chasing Excellence: The Remarkable Life and Inspiring the philosophy of Coach Joe I." V hill and uh we'll take a short break and we'll have more right after this hello out there everybody it's me tigger t-i-double-g-r that spells tigger and don't forget to remember to listen to tom sumner program
1: on account of because he's
5: so bouncy
2: Joe Biden from the Blue Line
0: Dan Sterling
8: Congressman Dan Kildee Alexander Zondrick. actor comedian Jonah Bode Woodrow Stanley US Senator Debbie Stabenow
2: State
3: Senator Jim Anani comedian Brian McCree. The
9: unknown comic
3: Mark Farner And
5: Tom I want you to know
8: Tom's my friend
5: You you always got great questions and you know the material and you, and you care about it and it's uh it's that's impressive
8: Nice to be with you Tom
5: and I admire you for reading all of that I haven't read
2: the whole thing I've got willing to admit that <laughs>
5: Hey Tom this is my favorite interview
3: all
8: Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmers market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildy, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
2: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation with the author of a new book called Chasing Excellence The Remarkable Life and Inspiring the Philosophy of Coach Joe I. V. Hill with uh, author Pat Malgaris. And uh, Pat joins me by phone. Pat, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around and sorry to make you sit through all that.
5: Oh, hey, that's kind of fun, actually.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. Um, <laughs> Now, before we we talk about uh, V. Philosophy and V. um I, I want to talk just a little bit more about you because you were a long distance runner yourself, made uh, All-American uh, four times uh, between '85 and '89. You ended up being a, a sports editor, then later the managing editor of your your local. Uh, Newspaper, the, the Valley Courier, and, uh, and then became the public information officer at Adams State, your hometown college, where Coach Joe V. Hill uh, uh, did his, his work. And um, how did you end up in Manhattan, Kansas? Oh, well, <laughs> I, married a, I, I married a Kansas girl. <laughs> hey, my mother was a Kansas girl.
5: <laughs> They're not so bad, are they?
2: <laughs> no, no, she was great. She was from Topeka, yeah.
7: actually.
5: Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, we, uh, we're about 45 miles from Topeka in Manhattan, and, uh, yeah, truly, uh, you know, marriage kind of led me here, but I also enjoy the state of Kansas. You know, the eastern side of the state is uh, so lush, and it's just a beautiful part of the state, and we visited, and the Flint Hills of Kansas are, are really very beautiful. I think if you think about uh, uh, covered wagons, uh, crossing the Prairie many many years ago, I, I think that's what the Flint Hills of Kansas kind of make you think about.
2: Um, but let's uh, let's 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 move on to uh, to coach. Um, sure. How what was it about him that that elevated what really was basically a small town coach to to such international prominence?
5: Yeah, you know, we talked earlier about loyalty, and I think that. His loyalty to his hometown and to his small college and to what he believed in was, was something that uh, I think drew a lot of people to him. Not just athletes, but I think that his colleagues were drawn to that. I think that people in the community were drawn to that. And so I think what really happened in Alamosa was kind of this groundswell of support and love for this program. And all of that, I think, contributed to some of the success that the, not just the college had, but I think that uh, Coach V. Hill had, you know, at Adams State and even beyond Adam State. I think that there was really uh, a, a wonderful feeling and, 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 and attitude of, of you know, excellence could happen in this really you know place that would not really be on the map otherwise. Uh, excellence can happen in communities like that, and I think the Coach hill proved that to be the case.
2: Now, he is America's preeminent distance running coach. Yeah. And, and I mentioned earlier uh, he coached 425 All-Americans, 22 Olympians. Did people, did runners come from all over, or were these runners... All local, like you. Yeah.
5: No, they certainly came from all over. Um, there was uh, quite uh, a number of runners that came from Colorado and New Mexico area. One of the things that Coach Vigil did was he built his program on the you know, the average runners. The, the top runners in those states would typically go to the University of Colorado or New Mexico, University of New Mexico you know, Colorado State, New Mexico. They'd go to the bigger programs where maybe they had more money and more scholarships and those kinds of things. But Coach V Hill was building his program from with runners who maybe finished fifth place at the state meet, sixth place at the state meet. You know, many of the runners that became stars at Adams State were those that maybe you didn't, you know, think about as the high school standouts in the, in their day. And so they were coming from largely Colorado and New Mexico. So we would get, actually, I can remember running with uh, several uh, from the state of Michigan during my time, 1985 to 89. Um, To this day, I can picture their face and know their names. But uh, so, you know, certainly they came from around the United States. But again, a lot of these runners were not runners who were maybe number one in their state when they came to Adams State. But the thing that we really enjoyed and I think this is kind of funny, but, uh, you know, if you were a person that finished fifth or sixth at your state, you'd kind of keep track of those that finished first or second in the in the state that you came from. And you really look forward to that opportunity to run against them in college. And in many cases, those kids that were fifth and sixth at the state meet in high school were beating the kids that were first and second at the state meet, you know, by the time they were the second or third year in college. That's so something that we kind of took pride in, and I think that uh, it happened so many times that again, you kind of felt like you were in a place where even though you were, you were the little guy, you could go and, and, and tangle with goliath from from time to time.
2: were a lot of the uh, a lot of the runners local
5: They were not i I would say not in in terms of local, I would say not from Alamosa or the San Luis Valley. I would say maybe. You know, out of a team of 20 or 30 runners, we would maybe have, uh, you know, four or five that were from the the local area.
2: You said there were a lot of great runners from that area and great athletes from that area. And it it Mm -hmm. tempted me to ask if that was inspired by coach or if there was something in the in the water. (laughs) <laughs> maybe both <laughs>
5: maybe both well you know I think that the interest in track and field and cross-country was certainly heightened by the success of Adams State College now my numbers on the local kids are probably more for the cross-country teams but I would say that there were several additional kids that would come and run on the track and field teams at Adam state and And I think that, again, I think it became kind of a community program as much as it was a college program because, you know, many of the community members, there was a local running club, there was a wives club, he'd have as many as 30 or 40 housewives that would come and run in the college facilities in the evenings, you know, because there was just, became this interest in running and track and field and so people would become involved that way and uh and it it translated into you know some of the the local teams as well
2: you mentioned um coach Joe V uh loyalty but was there something about his his coaching that got more out of runners than other coaches might have
5: well tom if you uh, did one of his team meetings Become a distance runner. He was so inspiring. He was such a motivator. He could tell you that uh, without any question, you know. And there was one part in our book where one of his assistant coaches uh, kind of made that kind of made that case in terms of saying, if Hill got up and said, "We're going to train one mile per day for the next ten weeks, and you're going to become national champions." You would believe it's just because he had this charisma and this ability to motivate you to bring out the best in you I think if you talk about chasing excellence it really is about how do you bring out excellence in in the people around you uh, again you know I'm as much familiar with the running side of it, but that again that became something that he got out of he in biology that became part of what he would get out of people in the community. He would, he would go down to the pool hall in Alamosa and would talk to people and would actually inspire them to, you know, maybe become a better salesman or policeman or whatever it might be, you know. <laughs> it was very common for him to, you know, become friends with, with the local community because, again, it was his hometown. It was something that he loved, and he wanted to see people become or at farming, or again, anything that they were involved with. It was something that Chasing Excellence is not just about athletics, it's about many aspects of life.
2: Was it. Was there something about the way he communicated with people that not only inspired um, belief in him, or because he had this, this successful record? but that got the people listening to him to believe in themselves? Yeah, you know, I think the successful record brought people to him. But, you know, in my opinion,
5: I think that can only go so far. Um, you know, it's fun to meet celebrities. It's fun to meet people who are successful. But with Coach Hill, he has this ability to look you in the eye, and you might be in a room of 100 people, but in that moment, you're the most important person in that room. He really has an ability to captivate, to captivate the person he's talking with. He shows an interest in what you're about. One of the things that I noticed with Coach V. Hill is he asks you, you know, uh, about your wife or about your husband or about your kids or about your profession or whatever it might be. He he really takes a genuine interest in who you are, what makes you tick. And I think that that draws people to him more so than the celebrity of, of Joe Hill. I think the people that meet him for the first time immediately feel like they've uh, developed a friendship. And, and that friendship tends to you know, carry on. We were recently at the U.S. Olympic Trials in Eugene, Oregon, and uh, a gentleman that he met back in the 1970s at a cross-country meet in Lawrence, Kansas, happened to approach him and said, you may not remember me, but we met at, and and Coach Vigil cut him off, and he said, yes, I remember you. We met at a cross-country meet in Lawrence, Kansas in 19-whatever-it-was, 70-whatever, and it was just amazing to this gentleman who was close to 80 years old, and uh, it was amazing to him that Coach Vigil would remember kind of that uh, uh, chance meeting that they had 40-some years ago.
2: That's amazing. It's um, now the the title of the book "Chasing Excellence: um, The Remarkable Life and Inspiring V-Philosophy of Coach Joe I. V. Hill." Chasing Excellence was really Coach's mantra, wasn't it?
5: It really was. Coach V. Hill is fond of saying that there are three goddesses in our life, and there is the goddess of wealth, the goddess of fame, and the goddess of knowledge. And he says you should disregard the goddess of wealth and fame because if you give all of your love and all of your attention to the goddess of knowledge the other two will become jealous and they'll come chasing after that and and truly chasing excellence is about chasing knowledge in life he's 91 years old right now and he still gets up at four o'clock in the morning to study because he says i've still got a lot more to learn this is a man who is the, again, you use the term also that the, it's the preeminent distance running coach in the world, and yet he still feels like he has more to learn. He still has something to contribute to runners, to Olympic-level runners, and and he's studying, and he's trying to get better, and he's still chasing excellence. And so, in a lot of ways, even though a lot of us say he's, he's achieved excellence, he feels like he's still chasing excellence.
2: And, but that that really speaks to that dedication to lifelong learning. Um, yeah. you, you don't chase excellence once; you mm-hmm. chase it always. Chase it always.
5: Again, you know, knowledge is continually evolving, and Coach Vihill feels like you know, if he wants to be, uh, you know, among the best, he's got to he's got to continue studying. I I tried to get up. I. One time, at one point, thought, you know, if I'm going to write a book about the guy who's kind of legendary for getting up at four in the morning, I've got to get up at four in the morning and experience this and see what it's like. <laughs> uh, I think it lasted like all of two days, Tom. <laughs> 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 you know, to, to have the endurance that he's had over his entire life—you know, sixty, seventy years—getting up at four in the morning to work and study and, and learn and 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 dedicate himself to his craft is just, just remarkable. I just can you know can hardly imagine you know doing that day after day after day. And of course for him it's a lifestyle and it's what inspires him. But for many of us to think of 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 doing that is, you know, really a really just remarkable. Just something that many of us are not able to hold that type of endurance.
2: When did you? When and how? I suppose is the best way to ask this. Did you decide that there needed that you needed to write this book? (laughs) Uh,
5: You know, it's a funny story because I didn't think I was I was the right one to do it. And uh, 2018, Alamosa hosted the 50th anniversary of the U.S. Olympic Trials, the very first Olympic Trials held in Alamosa, Colorado. Uh, in the marathon, I think I mentioned, and um, it's kind of amazing that a little town like that could host an Olympic marathon trial. And the reason I mentioned that is because, again, in 2018, there was the 50th anniversary, and we were in Alamosa to celebrate that anniversary, and several of my former teammates and former coaches said, uh, somebody's got to do this. Why don't you think about doing this? And, again, I think it was potentially insecurity. Uh, well, I thought, well, I'm not the one to do that. You know, I've been a journalist for, you know, close to, close to 40 years and, uh, you know, certainly I've written a lot, but I never have written a book before. And I thought, am I really the one to tell this story? Because it's the type of story that you tell once and you can't go back and, and, and change your mind later on, you know. You've got to tell the story right the first time. And it took some praying and uh, some urging from my daughter who said, Dad, if you, if you don't do this, you're going to regret it all your life. And after that, I said, okay, you know what, I've got to do this. I've got to try this. And it took, a, took about a two-year project to do that and about more than 50 interviews with many of these vigilantes that we talked about earlier. And finally, I felt like, you know, we have a story here. We need to tell this. And it's really awesome because it's very true that many of the stories that Coach Hill has are you know unfortunately going to go away if if we don't if we don't capture them and we wanted to do that and i think we did that successfully
2: with with this book how did the coach react to the
5: book he's ecstatic uh <laughs> coach coach v he'll just loves it and he he's so ecstatic that tom he's called my mother at least on three occasions and said uh surely you've you read it boy i'm just so excited about this book that he's written on our life you know and so you know that right there just makes me feel it's just heartwarming to me it makes me feel really good to to know that he's happy and that uh, it's moved him moved him uh in that way
2: now pat you've done a lot of writing in your life and and this is your first book um is it Is it a one off or do you have the bug now is there Is there another book uh coming from yeah. Pat malgaris i
5: we have plans. We have plans to write another book. One of the characters in our uh coach V Hill book is another V Hill. His name is Pablo V Hill. He's one of the greatest mountain runners in the history of that of that discipline. And along with uh, a couple other great mountain runners, we, we've got an idea for a book that will talk about their prowess at a at a mountain race in Sierras Switzerland. It's a grueling 22-mile race uh, through the mountains in uh, uh in We want to talk about these three runners and uh, kind of their spiritual connection to the mountain, but also to Mother Earth, so... We think we've got an idea that can sell and will be interesting and will be uh, something hopefully we can pursue within the next couple of years. COVID has kind of slowed our progress on that project, but I think maybe within a couple of years we might be able to, to, to put another book out there that people will enjoy.
2: Well, that would be great, Pat. Um, this um, When you were writing this book, did you have an audience in mind? Who do you think gets the most out of uh, capturing this amazing man's uh, life and stories? Yeah.
5: Well, you know, certainly a captive audience was going to be the track and field community and the distance running community. Um, Coach Hill is a household name. He would, I would, I would have to say that... Um, he would be up there on par with many of the greatest NFL, you know, football coaches or basketball coaches in our country. You know, certainly in the track and field world, Coach Hill's name is is that well known. But, you know, I really wanted this not just to be a track and field and running book. I really felt like his story is the story of an American hero. You know, it's a poor boy who had very little opportunity growing up, whose mother had to bite and scrap just to keep uh, food on the table, whose father was uh, abusive, who uh, died when Coach Fihel was at a very young age. And and so this is the kind of boy that you root for. You wanted to become successful. You hoped that he would find find his way in life. And so I wanted people to connect with that story. And so as such, I think that the audience could be a lot more broad because it's uh, again American hero story that all of us can relate to and would hope that we would see, and you know, wonder, it's a wonderful story that fortunately has a, has a happy ending.
2: And well, we can certainly all learn from from good leaders, and uh, who doesn't love an underdog story?
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And Coach Vigil was was an underdog, and throughout his life, he was the underdog. He was. At a school with very minimal means, didn't have the big budgets, and, and he made something out of it.
2: Well, again, the name of the book is uh, Chasing Excellence The Remarkable Life and Inspiring V-Hilosophy of Coach Joe I. V-Hill. And uh, it's uh, written by my guest, Pat Melgaris. And, Pat, we're just about out of time, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and and uh, the book and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? We do.
5: Our our publisher is out of Flagstaff, Arizona. It's solsticepublishing.com. Solstice is spelled like soul. Uh, they publish books mm. with soul. So it's solstice, S O U L. S-T-I-C-E, solsticepublishing.com. I've also got the book listed on my own personal website. It's letsgorun.com. So there's a couple ways that you can order it. It's also available uh, from Amazon, so there's a lot of ways to get to the book right now. And all proceeds from the book go to support a scholarship in Coach Hill's name at his, at his college, Adams State University now in Alamosa, Colorado. So... We're doing a lot of good with the book, just as Coach Hill's legend lives on. We hope that uh, you know, we can help support the future of many other runners at this small little college in Alamosa, Colorado.
2: Well, Pat, thank you so much for spending time and sharing uh, this story with me and the leader uh, re- listeners, and also uh, in the book. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I appreciate you very much.
5: Tom, thank you as well. I appreciate uh, being able to
2: to talk about the book to your listeners today. All right. Well, keep up the good work, Pat. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Once again, that was uh, Pat Malgaris, and uh, he is um, the public information officer at Kansas State University in Manhattan, where he says uh, his job allows him to do what he loves most, right? Interesting stories about people. Research and how university work positively impacts people of all backgrounds. And that's certainly the case uh, in, in this uh, recent uh, book being released Chasing Excellence, The Remarkable Life, and Inspiring The Philosophy of Coach Joe I. Viehill. If you're listening to us on uh, 92.1 LPFM, Our Voices Radio, WFOV in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Hearing, And we're going to let them squeeze a few words in edgewise or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse. There is uh, a lot more Tom Sumner Program straight ahead. Stay tuned.
3: and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
2: Start your weekend early with
8: this is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office.
1: I'm Gwen Pennyman Hempel.
7: Start
8: your weekend right. Go
2: to eleven Fridays on the Tom Sumner program.
9: Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean wash them regularly and always before meals with Lifebuoy which not only removes dirt but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit.
3: Form it yourself
0: Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
4: Bike motorbikes. <laughs> I like motorbikes. This is a great new story I've been working on about a motorbike. It's about this guy, this guy named Charlie. Charlie got a motorbike for his birthday, you know, he was happy. Yeah, I got a motorbike. I got a motorbike. <clears throat> <clears throat> and he wanted his best friend to see it, you know. He said, I'm gonna ride over to my best friend's house and show him my motorbike. And he got on the bike, and <clears throat> His friend lived next door. <clears throat> and he called his friend out, you know, and he shows him the motorbike. And his friend said, yeah, that's always a sharp motorbike. He said, but uh, I bought my tennis shoes now because I wanted you to see my tennis shoes. And Charlie said, tennis shoes? So I said, yeah, he said, my tennis shoes, I wanted you to see them. He said, I'm as proud of my tennis shoes as you are that motorbike. He said, in fact, I'm willing to bet you that these tennis shoes are faster than that motorbike. Charlie so said, are you crazy? How's a pair of tennis shoes gonna be faster than the motorbike? Do you wanna race? So I said, yeah, I'll race you. <laughs> So the guy puts on the tennis shoe, Charlie gets on the motorbike, and people were going by up into the hall of the building, and they heard them talking about it, you know, and they went, they're knocking on the doors, you know, the apartments, telling people. So everybody started looking out of the window and said, tennis shoes against the motorbike? Yeah, right down there. He said, Are he going to rate tennis shoes against the motorbike? said, so that's ridiculous. How's the man tennis shoes going to meet a motorbike? So right down there. <laughs> and then the race started, you know, the motor, the guy on the motorbike starts up. Charlie started about 25 miles an <laughs> hour. Sometimes my lips get stuck doing this. <laughs> Maybe they'll cut that out. <laughs> and I'm going right, by doing about 25 miles an hour and Charlie's friend is running right alongside him. He said, Man, he said you better go and start the race because a lot of people got their money back. <laughs> Charlie said, okay, so I'm going to whip it up to 45. <laughs> and running about 45, you know, and his buddy's running right along the side. <laughs> then his buddy passed him, you know, his buddy passed him, you know, and he crossed over in front of him, you know, then he went back around him. <laughs> and the guy, the guy started running backwards, you know, talking to him on the motorbike. <laughs> he said, you better get out of the way, I said, I'm gonna open this motorbike up. <laughs> then he, you know, turned the motorbike full speed. <laughs> and the motorbike running about 20, 40, 45 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour, <laughs> 60 miles an hour, miles an hour, you know, a hill and a
7: curve.
4: <laughs> right around that curve, you know. And when he got around the curve, Charlie turned and looked, you know, he looked for his buddy and his buddy wasn't there. And he waited a few minutes. Then he got back on the motorbike and rolled back around the car. Then <laughs> <laughs> he looked at his buddies laying in the ditch. Just saying, he said, what are you doing in the ditch? And his buddy said, You ever have a tennis shoe blowout on you? 95) <laughs>
6: Like an apple whirling silently in space Like the circles that you find In the windows of your mind Like a tunnel that you follow To a tunnel of its own Down a hollow to a cavern Where the sun has never shone Like a door that keeps revolving in a hurry From the devil someone tosses in a stream And like a clock whose hands are sweeping past the minutes of its face And the world is like an apple whirling silently in space Like the circles that you find in the windmills of your mind Keys that jingle in your pocket, words that jangle in your hair. Why does summer go so quickly? Was it something that you said? Lovers walk along the shore And leave their footprints from the sand Is the sound of distant drumming Just the fingers of your hand And pictures hanging in our hallway We are the fragment of our song Have remembered names and faces But to whom do they belong And when you knew that it was over You were so Turning to the colors of his hair Like a circle in a spiral Like a wheel within a wheel Never ending or beginning On a never spinning wheel As the images unwind Like the circles that you find In the windmills of your mind He was suddenly aware That the autumn leaves were turning To the colors of his hair ah. Like a circle in a spiral Like a wheel within a wheel Never ending or beginning on and never spinning real As the images unwind Like the circles that you find In the women's of your mind
7: cell in the world I'll see you on the other side when I'm in my quarantine in my little place to hide my heart is aching and I'm missing you. phone so tight when I whisper you a night kiss I'll see you on the other side when I crawl out of my cage when the world is purified I will find you and I promise this I'll see you on the other side Other side, and I'll meet you with arms up the way. See you on the other side, see you on the other side, see you on the other side, and I'll meet you with arms up the way. See you on the other side.
8: Pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Come on, Come, on, get out of here.